0: Chapters eleven through fifteen of PEP Poise Efficiency Peace by Colonel William Crosby Hunter Recording by J. A. Carter Chapter eleven There are many things the spinal cord or magneto is used for without having to call on the brain or dry cell battery. For instance, when you close your eye, cough, sneeze, vomit, or jump away from heat or pain, or hits or shocks, or noise. The more you use the dry cell battery, the sooner you exhaust its voltage. You must recharge the battery with sleep, rest, and by the elimination of conscious effort upon everything you do. Just as the nerve action goes on without stopping in the matter of controlling heartbeats, so a certain something goes on without stopping in the matter of controlling thought. From your first moment of consciousness, your brain has been in constant activity in generating thought or causing mental pictures or ideas to follow one another continuously without a moment stopping. Even when you're asleep, the thought action runs along just the same, although the remembrance or the impression of the thought may have vanished. So, as it is impossible to stop thought, we must consider the scientific way of directing that thought. The brain, on the one hand, is a generator of thought, and on the other, it is an organ of thought. And if we keep in mind the brain as an organ of thought, just as the stomach is the organ of digestion, we shall be able to find many practical ways to use the organ, as subservient to our will. You can make your brain, as an organ, cause you to walk, talk, see, hear, eat, smell, feel, all at the same time, but you cannot make your brain think two things at once, any more than you can speak two words at once. I want to repeat, you can do many things at once, you can think but one thing at a time when your mind is occupied with fear thoughts you cannot think faith thoughts one or the other must dominate while you have been reading this chapter you have not worried because your mind was not on yourself but upon what i hope has been helpful inspiring uplifting and interesting thought your brain will do wonderful things for you if you look upon it as an organ or servant of your thought it will respond to your will power and your will-power must be directed toward cultivating a natural habitual ability to keep peace-thought in the chair as much as possible. I must repeat this suggestion and emphasize again the importance of it. You are after poise, efficiency, and peace. Note that the first letter of each of these words spells pep. And the way to get this good is the substitution of the good-thought and the elimination of the fear-thought. The world is to you just as you are to the world. Think good, act good, be good, and crowd out the bad. The more you feed your brain on good, the surer you are to get good thoughts out of it. CHAPTER Twelve: We don't know what life is. The secret has not been told. We don't know just what the soul is, or its relation to the brain. But we know there are many ties of relationship between life and soul and mind. We do not know what space is, or just what the stars are, nor can we tell just how plants grow. But we know many truths about space and stars and plants. We haven't the full knowledge of electricity yet, but the knowledge we have of electricity is mighty useful to us. Every day we are learning new truths and applying them to our benefit. When the first telegraph message was sent, it was a world marvel that Morse could send intelligence over a wire. He sent a single message. It was a reverent message, and a high tribute to the faith of the inventor of the telegraph. The message was, What hath God wrought? Now, we have improved on the telegraph. The average person doesn't know, perhaps, that we have a multiplex instrument that will send several messages over the same wire at the same time, and not only this, some of these messages may be sent one way, and some another, simultaneously. Think of that two messages going east and two going west at the same time on the same wire without getting mixed. The brain uses the nerves very much like the multiplex instrument, as we have shown in the previous chapter, because it will make us do a great many things at the same time. But when it comes to thought, there can be but one thought at a time. To be strong mentally and to have good thoughts, you must be active mentally and train your thoughts on strength, courage. If you slow down, or let your mind wander in side paths or on trivial things, it will get you back to worry and fear and dread and self-condemnation. Your mind is like a young colt. It rebels at first at any semblance of training, but later on, if you keep the reins well in your hand, you can guide the mind into the habit of right thinking. Mind is the master, and it controls your body, and you will feel happy or you will have worry in proportion as the mind is working through right or wrong impulse. Mind is master. It can and will drive away blues, worry, and the attendant ailments, which come from fear thought and mind lethargy, and mind abuse. Mind is master, and it can and will drive away ills and despair, which come from wrong thinking and wrong physical acts. What profitable study is this which shows us how to throw sunshine into shadowland, to brighten and cheer and attain courage and hope? You are going to be happy, this I promise you. You are going to get rid of worry, and to learn that you can master yourself. You are going to be constant in your determination to put good things in your brain to supplant the bad thought that is trying to fasten itself upon you. These things you are going to do, and I hope you are doing some of them now. When you get blue, switch the current of your thought to faith thought. Go to a cheerful friend, talk of blessings instead of hard luck, make your mind travel in another path. Fear no evil. Worry is not real. Nothing can harm you but bad thoughts, so don't let the bad thoughts in. Every time you make this resolve, every time you read this suggestion which I am repeating so often, will you get added help and strength. CHAPTER Thirteen: We are built up in mind and body from the nourishing mental and physical food we take in. The stomach does not make food, but digests food. The heart does not make blood, but it pumps blood around our bodies. The eyes do not make pictures. They merely photograph or reflect lights and shadows coming into the eye and impress these things upon the nerves which carry impressions to the brain. The brain does not make thought, but it digests and analyzes impressions and coordinates ideas. The brain is the storage battery, the digester, the telegraph key, the record keeper, the filing cabinet, the index of thoughts, ideas, impressions and sensibilities. In the infant, The brain is a clean white page, and everything that will ever come out of that child's brain must first come into it and make the impression. From childhood, impressions, ideas, and intelligences are constantly arriving, and they are permanently established in the brain, where, in company with other thoughts, they germinate or hatch out new ideas. That is, we think the ideas are new, but the ideas have come into our mind in one form, and like chemical change which makes an apparently new substance, So thoughts changed in the mental laboratory make apparently new ideas. You cannot shoot a gun until you load it. What you put in the gun is a few grains of black powder and a fulminating cap. When you press the trigger, you hear a noise, see fire and smoke, and perhaps can feel the heat. What comes out of the gun has no semblance to what went in it, but that which came out was simply a changed form of that which went in. The thing we consider a new idea is merely a changed shape of a former idea which we put into the brain, and coming out now into our intelligence and understanding in a new form. Through our senses of seeing, feeling, hearing, etc., we are constantly receiving impressions which are carried to our brain, where they associate, intertwine, and amalgamate to come out oft-times seemingly as new-born ideas from our brain. In concrete, I want you to remember particularly this. Nothing comes out of the brain but what went in first. You cannot draw out good thoughts if you feed your brain on bad thoughts. Your brain is a garden in which there are roses and weeds struggling for possession. If you let the roses get the worst of it, the weeds will quickly thrive. You must put in good thoughts and nourish those good thoughts and be vigilant in eliminating the bad thoughts from your mental garden. Whenever a bad thought comes or when worry surrounds you, Set your willpower at work, and if necessary, force yourself to think helpful thoughts. Say, I am not afraid, I shall not worry, because worry is unreal, a make-believe, I shall not even think of the word worry. You are free, you have your place in the world, you are master of your thoughts. Your will will serve you, you must fear no evil. The weeds will die if you keep all your attention on nourishing the flowers. Since you have been traveling with me in this book, and have had alternate periods of buoyancy and reflexes of blues, you must not take this as discouragement. Every day you think and act and follow the suggestions in this book, you are putting happiness checks in your reserve bank. I do not want to touch the heartstrings, or write weepy lines, or quivering words to show my sympathy, for my message is cheer, joy, and smiles. I have these blessings, and I have promised that you shall have them too when the atmosphere gets blue and you feel miserable don't give way to your feelings but get out your mental brush and dip it in the paint pot of courage and with the rosy paint blot out the blue spots you're all right cheer up the very fact that you are alive is a great thing i know of a woman who had six children she had rheumatism and saint vitus dance at the same time she had no money no friends but somehow or other she had pep and grit and she came out all right and i understand occasionally she has pie for breakfast so i guess you needn't worry you will never improve your game of billiards if you play with inferiors you will never improve your optimism if you chastise yourself by comparing your weak points with the strong points of others instead of suffering by being envious of others who have more material things than you have you should get satisfaction and comfort in looking at the greater miseries and sorrows of others less fortunate than you and that will help you toward contentment. Chapter 14 I hope you are keeping faith and sincerely trying to hold your thoughts in proper channels. This chapter is a chapter of promise, good cheer, and concrete suggestion. Have you spoken a kind word today? Have you done a kind deed, or performed an act worthwhile? I am going to put down your answer as yes, and then say, aren't you happy because of your acts? While you were thinking of others, It took your mind off yourself. You know that your troubles are largely due to the fact that you have given yourself too much importance, and used too much of your thought for your own selfish purpose. In proportion as you cultivate the ability to drop this selfishness in the matter of thought, you will be able to free yourself from the tangles of worry. You must think of others, you must consider them, you must do things for them, you must get yourself out of yourself, or you will be narrow, uncharitable, envious, and miserable and the longer these conditions exist, the harder it will be to change your makeup. Think of your blessings, of the needs of others, of the opportunities to help them, and cut out envy. Slow down. Cultivate calmness. Do not push. Haste makes double work. Eliminate unnecessary moves. Avoid excitement so that your heart will work normally. I promise you great happiness and joy if you will follow these suggestions and do the things not simply from duty, but with enthusiasm, vim, and energy. As you go along, each day will be clearer. The clouds will pass as you grasp the sunshine truth. The ugly mental pictures will be replaced with pictures beautiful to look upon. Every day, worry will be lessened, joy increased. I promise you happiness in your heart, song on your lips, smiles on your countenance, and an ecstasy for the very life-privilege which perhaps you formerly thought was not worth the while. Is life worth living? asks the pessimist. Well, I guess it is. It is grand. It is here for your enjoyment. The plan of things is right. The world is getting better. And you are going to help in the uplift. We must have some clouds and sorrows, even as a dog has fleas. Clouds are here for a purpose. A little darky was sitting on a curb, hitting his head with a stick. Asked why he did such a thing, he replied, It feels so good when I stop." I understand those who live in the land of perpetual sunshine and uniform temperature get mighty tired of sameness. So when the little annoyances come, consider them as trifles, and know that they come to you simply to accentuate the joys and pleasures you have. Here are a few capsules of optimism essence. Repeat these thoughts. Nothing can harm me but my thoughts, and I have control of my thoughts. I am going to look up, not down. I am here for a purpose. That purpose is to make the very best of conditions that exist. Sometimes I did not look at things rightly, but the world is right. I am to enjoy the blessing of life, and I am to help others to enjoy life too. Tomorrow morning I am going to promise myself that I will be pleasant until ten o'clock anyway. Chapter 15 I make a guess that today averaged better with you than yesterday because I feel sure each day is one of progress and that you are gaining in the control of your willpower and in the betterment of your thought. With this confidence and belief, we will get down to our little study again and see some more interesting things about the powers and uses of the brain under control of the mind, remembering that the purpose of spending so much time on the brain is to establish the fundamental truth which I am trying to weave all through this book, that mind is the master of matter. As you are in thought... So is the world to you. Your whole circle of friends, your home, and everything with which you come in contact, changes aspect with every change in your mood or view. If the weather be dark and gloomy, you will not feel as joyful or optimistic as you do when the sunshine comes. The mind is the keynote to your feelings, and controls your functions and your organs and your general health. You are what you think you are, and I shall show by illustration how true this is you may be sitting at the table ready to eat and your appetite is very keen let someone tell you bad news or bring you a telegram announcing the illness or death of a dear one and your appetite instantly vanishes let someone tell a disgusting story or speak of disagreeable things and your appetite flies away you have often noticed how you turn away from your meal if someone near you clears his throat or coughs or blows his nose or makes queer noises in eating I do not like to speak of these things, but they illustrate so clearly how positively the nerves are under control of the mind, and will affect your senses, your appetite, and your enjoyment. Mind is the master, and you know it. The question, therefore, before you is how to cultivate the mind, so that it will measure up to its proper function in dominating worry, troubles, or ailments which bother you. There are some very helpful lessons or truths ahead for you, some of them pleasant, and some of them bitter pills for you to swallow. Do not be impatient. Impatience is one of the things which made you worry. We are going along comfortably, slowly, and surely, to make you patient. When you are impatient, you see things in a false light. You magnify trifles, you dignify non-essentials, and you befog the beauty around you. YOU REMEMBER AS A CHILD OR YOUNGSTER WHAT HORRIBLE NIGHTMARES, BAD DREAMS, AND SLEEPLESS NIGHTS YOU PASSED, FOLLOWING EVENINGS SPENT IN TELLING GHOST STORIES, RELATING MURDER OR ROBBER TALES. YOU RECALL HOW THE RUSTLE OF THE BRANCHES AGAINST YOUR HOUSE OR THE WHISTLING WIND OR CREAKING HINGE SUGGESTED BURGLARS, SPOOKS OR OTHER TERRORS TO YOU. YOUR MIND WAS FEEDING ON FEAR THOUGHT INSTEAD OF FAITH THOUGHT. You remember in the morning, when the sun shone brightly, and you went into the open air, how differently things looked, and how much better you felt, for the horrible nightmare had passed away. There is an old illustration which shows how fear-thought affects the mind and body. It is this. I have a few friends, by agreement, posted that they will all tell a certain one on a certain day he is looking bad. We will call the subject George. George goes out in the morning, in perfect health and in high spirits. He meets A, who says, How pale you look, George. Then comes B, who says, Are you ill? And so on. The other actors in the play follow one after another, each one telling George he does not look well or asking him if he's ill. By the time five or six have made the suggestion of illness, George is really sick. As a matter of fact, he is sick because he thinks he is. And he thinks he is because the sick thought has been suggested to him so much that he believes it. A certain attorney purchased a new hat. One of his friends telephoned to other friends that whenever they met the attorney they should ridicule his hat. The lawyer started down the street with his head up, with consciousness and comfortableness, and the feeling that he was strictly in style and had a becoming hat, until he met a friend, A, who said, Where in the world did you get that hat? Later on came B, who said, What's the matter? Have you traded hats with someone? In turn came C, who said, have certainly chosen an ill-looking hat. And so, one after another, spoke to the attorney about his hat, until he went back to his office, threw his hat in the waste-basket, never to wear it again. As a matter of fact, the hat cost five dollars. It was a good hat, and was becoming. But the constant suggestion of friends so worked on the mind of the lawyer that he was convinced his hat was attracting attention, and did not look right. The foregoing illustration is not made to order. It is an actual occurrence which came within my observation. By brooding or thinking fear thoughts, you can work yourself into a bad state, and really feel that ailments and ills are real tangible things, so far as you are concerned. Mind is the master, and your insurance against pullbacks is to see to it that the mind does master. If constant suggestion for evil makes you think evil, so constant suggestion for good makes you think good. Did you do a kind act today? Have you driven another peg in your ability to make your mind do what your will wants it to? Are you feeling more strength and confidence as these suggestions are made to you? End of chapters 11 through 15. Recording by J.A. Carter. com